0: How many of you hate to lose? Let me see your hand. Now, how many of you right now are just not honest? You didn't raise your hand because you didn't want anybody to know you hate to lose. <laughs> see, by nature, we are competitive. Whether it's in sports, Uh, whether it's in playing uh, board games or or just life in general, no one hates to lose. My wife especially. That's why she won't play me in any board games, because she can't beat me. she, She hates to lose. When I win, and I do that often, she calls me a cheater because she hates to lose. Do you know, I've realized this, not just in my own marriage of 42 years, uh, but as I do marital counseling, I've discovered this, that within spouses, the reason why oftentimes there's a big rift in the relationship is once again, we don't want to lose. For those of you who are married, you know what I'm talking about. What what extends disagreement? Listen, every married couple has disagreements, right? Beginning with the pastor. We would be in heaven if my wife always just agreed with me. In fact, that's probably when I know I'm in heaven. (laughs) But regardless of husband or wife, we all have disagreements. But if we realize something, what extends that disagreement is the fact that we're not willing to lose. I wanna win the argument. I wanna make sure that my point is the point that wins. And so when we're in this disagreement, if we're not careful, it winds up getting extended because of that. And sometimes you look back and you say, what were we arguing about? You can't even remember. All you know, it evolved into this and mushroomed into this big fight Simple because you wanted to have the last word. Yeah. And I mean, the last word means "I won." You see. Now, I would also realize that to, the, to really successfully navigate this Christian journey that most of us, if not all of us, are out, on, in other words, to grow and, and spiritually mature. I realize that it's imperative, imperative, that you and I embrace losing. Yes. Let me talk to you about what I'm talking about from the Word of God. We're on our, our, this wonderful uh, series called Kingdom Principles, this little journey through the Gospel of Matthew, and I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 16 this morning. I'm looking at, uh, beginning at verse 21. Listen to the word of God. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him. Some translations have rebuke for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must, everybody say must with me, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? No. For the Son of Man will come with his angels in, uh, in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. Jesus. So let's recap what we have just read. So Jesus tells his followers, his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. He's beginning now to unfold to them God's purpose for his life, why he was born, why he has come to this, in this spiritual journey, to this point now. He wants to reveal to them what is going to transpire in the near future. I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to suffer a lot of terrible things at the hands of all of the religious leaders. But on the third day, after I'm killed, on the third day, I will rise from the dead. Now, Peter... If you remember, we talked last week about revelations, that Peter got the revelation that Jesus was the the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, now Peter gets another revelation, although not from God himself. Peter now thinks in his mind, this is never going to happen. After all, I've got this revelation that you are Messiah. You are the one we've been waiting for. You are the one that is going to deliver us from the oppression of Rome. So Peter takes Jesus aside and actually reprimands the Lord himself. Now this incurs a rebuke from Jesus now, for Jesus actually calls him Satan. Why? Well, we just read because Peter saw things, he saw Jesus' suffering and his death, and never bothered to finish up with the resurrection, but he saw this suffering and death, Jesus said, from a human point of view, and not from God's point of view or God's perspective. Then Jesus took this opportunity to, again, teach all of his followers that if they want to be his followers, they would have to they must notice the word must. They must turn from their selfish ways, take up their cross, and to follow him. And that those who did would find life. And those who refuse and try to hold on to their life would actually lose it. Right? Turn from your selfish ways. Now, what does that mean? For all of us, just to make sure we're on the same page, it just simply means when we're selfish, that means we're structuring life uh, around us, what we desire. Life revolves around you when you're selfish. The only thing that matters, your top priority is pleasing yourself. When you live that way, then you have this selfish ways. And Jesus now talked about taking up your cross, which all symbolizes surrendering our life to Christ, giving up everything to follow Jesus. And remember, Jesus said, if you try to hold on to your life, you lose it. But if you lose it for my sake, you gain it. So... As I said a few moments ago, to successfully navigate the Christian journey, to spiritually grow, it's imperative that you and I embrace losing. And the the kingdom principle that our text reveals today is a kingdom principle, Sally, that so many Christians, people who have embraced Christ as their Savior, struggle not only to believe, but then to go on. And, embrace. and here's the kingdom principle we're going to focus in on today, and that is there is no gaining without losing. There's no gaining without losing. In order to gain life, we must first lose our life, meaning we must first surrender our life. And the life that we're talking about here is uh, comprised of our hopes and our dreams. Everything that we aspire to achieve, all of that must be surrendered to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, if you do that, you will gain life. But now the life that Jesus is talking about is not just what we call salvation, which is when you first embrace Jesus Christ as your savior and he washes away your sins uh, and, uh, uh, and, and you begin this incredible journey with God. But here, part of that journey, as we talked even a few moments ago, is experiencing the very presence of God through his Holy Spirit. It is life when you experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. In this service, if you do not experience the presence of the Holy Spirit, then you've not experienced life. Then for for the, the, the life that we also gain is being fulfilled. I've discovered in my own life the only pathway to true fulfillment. When I'm talking about fulfillment, I'm talking about where in your soul, your soul feels satisfied. You feel like you've got to that place in life where you know what life is all about. You you, you have purpose. To feel fulfilled, you and I must surrender everything. And that's the promise of the Lord. See, if you lose all, you gain all. You gain eternal life. You gain experiencing God's presence. And as you begin to walk into God's purpose for your life, you understand for the first time in your life what it means to be fulfilled. What it means to understand what life is all about and why you're even on this earth. Now, last week, we talked about... Revelations, which is that spiritual awakening that's initiated by God, that we all need revelation because there is no transformation without revelation. And so uh, the revelation that we need today is this kingdom principle. We need a revelation about it that, that there is no gain without losing. One of my favorite authors... Is Oswald Chambers, he had this to say, we have to surrender our little notions, our desires, our plans, in other words, for a tremendous revelation that takes our breath away. Amen. See, in comparison to what we in the natural desire about life, that, that is small in compared to the incredible revelation that God has in his purpose for our lives. But in order to receive that, in order to experience that, we've got to be willing to lose. We've got to be willing. We have to embrace losing our lives, surrendering. Oswald Chambers also said this, God has no respect for anything we bring to him. He is after only one thing, unconditional surrender to him. See, God is not concerned about the money we bring. God's not concerned about the songs that we sing and the things that we do for him. God is not impressed with any of those things. The one thing God is constantly after, day in and day out, is your and mine unconditional surrender to him, where we give up all that we desire, all that we have purpose to embrace that which he has purpose for all of our lives. And our greatest example is Jesus himself. Our greatest example of unconditional surrender is Jesus himself. Listen uh, to Philippians chapter two, verse eight through 11. Speaking about Jesus, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, meaning the demonic kingdom, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, Jesus Christ received the name that's above every other name. He gained much. That's because he surrendered much. When he surrendered his life on the cross for your sin and for my sin, when he laid it all out for, for the Father and saying, this is the purpose for which God has sent me. Jesus' purpose to coming to the earth was not to perform Miracles. He did those to point to what was the final outcome of his purpose in life. The words that he shared, everything that Jesus did was to point to 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 the thing that he had been given life for. And that was to surrender his life on the cross for the sins of the world. And because he surrendered all, he received all. He gained all in the end. We're talking today about losing to gain, losing to gain. This kingdom principle, there's no gaining without losing. Even the great apostle Paul, he also embraced uh, this this kingdom principle. Listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 3, 7 and 8. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth, uh, meaning there's the gain, of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, and I consider them garbage that I might Gain Christ. Now, what was the Apostle Paul talking about? Well, Paul, the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee, which was the strictest uh, uh, sect of the Jewish faith, Uh, and he was a young man that was a teacher. He was up and coming, if you will, and He had an opportunity to do great things. At one point in time, he was given permission by the chief priest to uh, chase down and imprison Christians. So he was a man that had esteem. He was a man on the rise. And then he met Christ and he recognized, if I want to embrace Christ, I have to lose all of that. And he willingly lo- lost all of that and said, consider, he said, I consider that garbage when I'm compared to the fact that I gained Christ. See, this losing to gain is not such an easy decision sometimes for us. Many years ago, I was visited by a young pastor, a youth pastor from another uh, church, and He had heard about me, and he came to see me. I wanted some counseling from me. And so I said, how can I help you? And he said, well, I'm not just the youth pastor of my church, but my church has affiliated with several other churches, and I oversee all of these youth ministries. Uh, All of these youth groups are under my umbrella. I said, okay, how can I help you? He said, well, in the church and the fellowship that I'm a part of, we, we teach a doctrine that I've now become uh, aware of is in error. And I said, well, what do you mean? Well, we don't teach about grace. We teach the opposite. But for the first time, I understand what grace really is. Revelation. And so I said, okay, you understand what grace is, and the church, your church and your affiliation doesn't embrace that. He said, absolutely. I said, why are you coming to see me? I don't know what to do. I said, well, the Bible teaches us that you and I and all of us are responsible for what God reveals to us. Once you receive revelation, now you'll be judged on your response to that Revelation. So the question is, what will you do? He said, well, if I embrace grace, I have to leave and I have to give everything up. I said, probably. The question is, are you willing to embrace what God has taught you? Or are you willing to forfeit that because you don't want to lose the position that you have? See, that's the question. And that's probably why you came to see me. And so, my counsel to you is don't go for position. Walk in grace. Embrace grace. Follow what God has revealed to you. You don't want to stand before God one day and say, I gave up that revelation because I didn't want to lose position. I don't know what that young man ever did. I prayed with him and he went on his way. But his struggle Is the struggle of many believers today, you see? Because I want you to notice something. Notice that Paul said he got this revelation of of knowing Christ. Revelation is always connected to surrender. When God reveals to you his love, when God reveals to you his purpose and his plan and all the things that he wants to accomplish in and through you, that is connected to our willingness to surrender, to yield to God's purpose, because there is no gaining without losing. Come on, say that with me. There is no gaining without losing. In fact, in a few minutes, we're going to do baptism. Our baptism is just another outward sign of losing to gain. See, baptism represents you're going in the waters of baptism. The old you, the old Carlos is going down, but the new Carlos is coming up. Well, what does that mean? Well, the old Carlos that loved to live in sin and loved to do what it wanted was selfish. When That one is staying in the baptism, in the waters. That one is dying. The new me is coming out, the one that wants to live for Jesus and, and tell the world about the goodness of God and to embrace God's will. That's what baptism symbolizes. It symbolizes death and surrender to go into life. You cannot gain life without losing life first. Are you following me this morning? Now, let me talk to you just for a moment about why so many Christians tend to struggle and resist losing their life. You see, we're very much like the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter heard what Jesus said, but he used human reasoning to evaluate it. Human reasoning. What does that mean, Pastor? Here's what, what it means. When we hear God's word, when he, we, we talk about losing our life, now the question comes, Am I going to embrace this or not? And oftentimes when we struggle embracing it, it's because we're using human reasonings. And here's what human reasoning is in a nutshell. Is this thing of dying, does it make sense to me? Does it make sense for me to surrender my dreams? Does that make sense? Does it make sense for me to let go control of my life as if you control your life anyway? You don't. Either God's going to control your life or sin is going to control your life. You're never in control of your life. The only control you have is the control to say no to God and yes to sin. And then when you do that, sin begins to control your life, right? So the question is, see, when, when we embrace God's purpose and die to ourselves, Then we gain life, but the struggle is we first evaluate. When God brings us a moment of death, we evaluate it. Peter was telling Jesus, I heard what you're saying about dying and all of that suffering. That's not going to happen. That doesn't make sense, Jesus. You're Messiah. Messiah. You're the Christ. I've got plans of how you're going to unfold everything and what you're going to do to free the Hebrew people. See, Jesus' plan conflicted with the plan that Peter had formed in his mind. He had that human point of view and not God's point of view. And so, so here we come to a place where, let me go back to 18 years ago. My wife and I were born in the greatest city on earth, New York City. Come on, somebody, can I get a witness? You see how quickly you have a human point of view? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. See? (laughs) Listen to me at the age of 50, working alongside my best friend in a great church, one day God said, it's time to go. And I'm like, that don't make any sense. My, my, my life is settled here. I've never lived outside of New York. Uh, I'm, I'm in a great church, working alongside a great pastor. I'm 50 years old, now God? That doesn't make sense. See, at that moment, when God comes and saying, it's time for you to die because I'm taking you away and you're going to have to leave family behind. You're going to have to leave all these friends behind. Everything that you've ever known, you have to leave behind. Now the question comes, will I embrace that? Will I embrace the death that God wants to bring at that moment? That's always the challenge with us. My wife and I, we, we had this, these questions like how, and, and of course, we, we want to evaluate it first, at least for me, I evaluated. it. Does that make sense at the age of 50 to quote start over in, in a new city, and a new church? Uh, why at this point in my life? That doesn't make sense, God. Am I even a senior pastor material? I, 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 to this day, I, I don't think so. But God had other plans. And I thank God that by his grace, my wife and I embraced that death. See, now listen to me. Before you clap, let me tell you truthfully, it was hard leaving everything behind. See, death is not easy. That's why Jesus said the road that leads to eternal life is hard and narrow. And that's why so many few people choose it that doesn't, it should never come easy, and it never is truly easy. Even though you know it's what God has purpose and plan, you come to that crossroad and you have to make a decision. Am I going to trust Jesus and surrender all to him? I don't understand it, but see, you don't always have to understand in order to embrace. There are times where we struggle embracing because we want to understand what God's doing. We want to see the final product. But I'm here to tell you that even if God told you the final product, you still have a difficult time embracing it. Didn't Jesus tell him, guys, I'm going to suffer terribly and I'm going to be killed. And on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. Did Jesus not tell him how it was going to end? Did Peter embrace it? No, he still had a problem with it. See, we we have a problem with with things. Why? Because oftentimes, more often than not, our struggle is we are evaluating anything from our perspective, not God's perspective. And when we er erroneously believe, I have nothing to gain by doing this. See, we wanna, when we, uh, you, the human perspective is, what do I stand to gain by doing this? It's why so many Christians struggle with honoring God with their, with their finances. The Bible teaches us to bring 10 percent of our income to God and so give that to God. That's not an option. It's a command. But nobody walks around. We don't have Thai doctors over here, uh, uh, police, uh, excuse me, a uh, Thai policemen that come and say, "Hey, did you give your 10 percent today?" We leave that into people's lives. You have to make that decision. It means you have to die. Why? Because the natural man looks at that, and you look at your income, and you look at your expenses, and the first thing you evaluate is, how can I make make ends meet if I give God 10%? Even though God has already told you the end, that if you honor me, I will bless you. I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing in your life. See, we clap, oh, yeah, yeah. But see, it's easy to clap before the moment of death. But then all of a sudden, when that time comes and you get paid and you're writing checks, if God is not the first check you write, then you haven't died. Well, I knew it would get quiet with that one. But it's important. See, as your pastor, I'm not here to win a popularity contest. We're all in this journey together and we all struggle with this concept of losing our life because before we lose it, before we surrender it, we want to see what am I going to gain out of this? God wants me to work with children. What do I gain out of that? Lord. Yes, a struggle. I got a lot to lose by trying to do that, but what do I gain? when we trust Christ and surrender all to him, then we gain life. We experience God's presence in our life. We experience being fulfilled. And there's one more thing we got to know as we prepare to pray in a moment and to go into the baptism. There's one more gain that sometimes we don't consider. And that is this. When we lose our life, when we surrender all, we are not the only ones who personally gain. When we gain life, everyone around us also gains life. What do I mean by that? Well, when I surrender and God at home tells me, Carlos, you have to die to everything that you want. And how do you want to control your wife? And the things you want to see, you have to die to all of those things. But then what do I gain from that? Well, you gain, first of all, you gain my presence because you're walking in obedience now. But here's the other thing you don't see. When you surrender to me and treat your wife the way I want you to treat your wife, what you gain is a wife that loves you more. Yes. What you gain is life that comes into your marriage, yes. your family, yes. Yes. your community. Yes. You see, when you and I surrender and we give God everything and we allow God to guide us and direct our lives and, do how, and work however God wants us to work, do whatever he wants to do, then life just flows, not just into us, but it flows in us so that it might flow out to others. And because I surrendered and said, okay, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I think I'm terrible for choice. But if you want me to work with children, so be it, God. I'm going to go in there. And as you surrender to God, you see, you experience God's presence. God's anointing and power flows into your life. And as a result of all of this life, when you stand before those children and teach them, now, even though you're apprehensive and all that, life flows out of you. you, And now our children are blessed. Our children gain life simply because you surrendered your life. Yes. You see. Pastor Jason, if you would please come and help me. You're losing. Your total surrender to Christ will bring life to those around you. Yes. Others Amen. will gain life. Yes. We're talking about losing to gain this morning. As I prepare to pray, you tell me if this is not true about our lives. We want to gain so much from God while giving so little back. If I could just get God's blessing without having to surrender That would be the most ideal Christian journey. We love God's blessing and rightly so. But there are some blessings. In fact, I will share the, the greatest blessing is reserved only for those who lose their life. You see. And sometimes we gain so little because we're not willing to surrender. Or if I could use the expression, we surrender so little. Now, kingdom principle for today is there's no gaining without losing.